Welcome back, guys. It is another episode of After the Whistle with Dolores. And oh my God, I've missed y'all. Social media has been going crazy since the Olympics, since our last episode. I mean, everything has happened in women's basketball. And uh, we got to talk about it (laughs) because it's tea to talk about. It's so much information to share. And I'm just ready to get into it. And I could not do this episode without two great basketball minds. Um, They are some of my favorite to get into basketball conversations with on social media. Um, We have Greer and Key. Um, Both of these women know their stuff. Key's, of course, been on with us before. Um, Greer is a new face to the show, um, but I think y'all are going to like her. Um, She's a different take um, than what you get with us on the regular. And uh, we had to spice it up because Dolores loves spice and we don't do unseasoned. Um, So today's episode is going to be jam-packed. We can't wait to share this with you. To the whistle with Dolores for today's episode. Um, I want to, I want both of my friends to introduce themselves before we get started, and then we will jump right in with the tea. Um, Key, if you would not mind taking us off with a quick little introduction. Uh, hey, like Dolores said, uh, I'm Key. I was on the episode a couple of weeks ago. I think it was like two weeks ago, and I'm just happy to be back. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter um, at Y-A-N-A-B-0015, and I normally have random hot takes. Some some people like, some some people don't like, and it is what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, hey, everybody. I'm Greer. Um, I'm from L.A. I love women's basketball, always have, former player in quotes, uh, I haven't played organized basketball since I was like 13, but I am um, a staunch supporter of women's basketball at all levels. And uh, Dolores and I don't always agree, and I'm ready to figure out what we disagree on tonight, too. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, y'all, and I'm excited because I think so many times, I don't know, if you follow me on social media, I am a big personality. Um, Dolores has her takes and she stands by what she says, but I am not without reason. Um, and Greer is always the reason to my chaos. Um, so I'm excited to have her um, as well. He does as well, but you know, we needed somebody on the other side of the spectrum and you're going to know what I mean when we get to our first topic. Our first topic is about none other than Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart. Um, one could argue these are the top two players in the league, not just in terms of what they do on the court, but in terms of who they are in basketball right now. Um, You had to be sleeping under a rock to have missed their performance in Tokyo. You've had to be sleeping under a rock to have missed them dueling it out for WNBA MVP in the bubble last year. You had to have missed them competing against each other in a WNBA final. Um, and they've been going it out since they've been in college. Um, I'm great players. Um, you know, one can have their favorite. Y'all know what side I'm riding with. 
Um, but you cannot deny the talent that is those two players. They are the faces of the WNBA, and they will continue to be the faces for the foreseeable future. Um, debate me on it. Quote me on it. It is what it is. But I said what I said. Um, both of these women um, have gotten a lot of social media attention as in the you know recent days and weeks as a result of, of course, what happened in Tokyo, but also just their play currently in the WNBA. Um, Stewie has basically been the engine that could for Seattle um, with them losing Alicia Clark, with them losing um, Natasha Howard. I know I personally thought they would take a step back um, with Stewie having to play a larger role on both ends of the court, um, but that has simply not happened. Um, one could have say, um, one could think um, that Asia's role might have decreased um, with Liz and Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray um, turning, you know, joining or rejoining um, the Aces, and that has simply not happened. Both players have been doing it all for their teams and doing it in very different ways. Um, but I want to talk about something that has been on my heart, and I've tweeted about it. Um, and it's basically that I do not think the WNBA is ready for a true rivalry between a black player and a white player when they are the two best players in the league. Um, the reason I say that is because we all know, if you've watched my show, I've talked about it, um, or if you've listened, the league has a hard time when there's not just one narrative to ride or a group of narratives within the same spectrum. What do I mean by that? Um, we know that the faces of the league in recent history have been white. Um, we know that Stewie, when she came into the league, came in on fire um, and came in and started winning instantly. We know that Asia also did the same thing. But the way that these two players are promoted in the league currently um, is you have articles that go out and say, you know, when Stewie's on the court, no one um, is comparable. Um, you have people making statements like she's the best player in the world, da 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 da, da and there's no one close. Um, but then you also get the ESPN side of it where, you know, you have Holly Rowe doing specials about them being friends or it being like a nice rivalry between the two. Um, and the reason I think that 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 adds to the point that I was making earlier is because if these two players were, even if it wasn't like a person, I think a lot of times when we get rivalries, we think, oh, the players don't like each other. A lot of times the most heated rivalries, the players enjoy each other. It's what the fans and the way that they're marketed is what we get when we see rivalries. Like the players could be best friends off the court and there can still be a rivalry that we look forward and long for and we get those crazy moments. Well, I don't think we'll see that with Asians, do we? Why? Because it's gonna be too hard for women's basketball media to pick a side. How do you pick a side, right? Both of these players are sweet personalities. Most of America loves them. They have large fan bases. They had great fan bases in college. And it would it would almost be too much for ESPN to say, oh my God, Asia gave Stewie a side eye or Stewie blocked Asia's shot 
and stood over her. That would throw ESPN in a tailspin because you would start to see the biases, um, the 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 way that we look at microaggressions between black women and white women, and all those interactions and intersectionalities would come to a head, and the league cannot handle it. Media cannot handle it. Um, and so I think it's going to be interesting as these two players continue to play and progress, what happens in the way that we discuss them moving forward? Do Does it continue to be a narrative of Stewie's the best and no one's close? Or do we ride the, oh, they're great competitors, and every time they get on the court, it's just like a camaraderie? Um, I want to hear from my friends what they think about it, um, but I know that's where my head has been with it. Um, so here's the floor. Um, shoot for it. Yeah, so uh, it's Greer. Okay, so like we talked about this for the first time, maybe about a month ago, maybe something yep. like that on Clubhouse. And I was definitely in the same boat as you, like Leary. I don't trust the current establishment when I when we talk about sports media to do right by Asia, really, right? Because like the aggrieved party is oftentimes like the person who's more likely to be oppressed. And yes. we know that's just black women, period, point blank. Mm -hmm. um, and so we go through Tokyo and like, I'm a basketball nerd. So I'm watching everything. I'm watching everybody's social accounts, seeing what they're posting, if they're posting each other, right? And I, I, I didn't know what Asian Stewie's relationship was like, right? I think they are a year separate yeah. like, in school, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember like, so for everybody, I'm a UConn fan, like bleed blue all day long for 20 years now. Um, and so when South Carolina, obviously when Don took the job at South Carolina and just built a program that was undeniable now, you know what I mean? And, and has been, I would say for the last five years or so, um, they've been in all of those conversations as the top program in, in women's college basketball. But I never knew to what extent like uh, Stewie and Asia's relationship went. So when they were in Tokyo, like I'm watching both of their socials, like are they gonna post content from each other? Do they even like vibe? And then obviously, you know, they're both in the starting five and Stewie's the one that is having to play more out of position, right? Like Asia was pretty much cemented at the four and Suey's having to be kind of a, a Jane of all trades at the three. Um, but I'm just watching because they know, we know it. I'm watching their interactions, just seeing if I could get a glimpse of like, do they even like each other? And I walked away with thinking like, actually, no, they have immense respect for each other and they actually really do like each other. And that was really, really heartwarming to see. However, I love that they just leave it on the court. Like we are professionals and we go hard when it's time to play each other, period. Um, and I really appreciate their level of like professionalism and and, and um, competitiveness when they go against each other. Um, I still do not trust the establishment in terms of like the sports media to do right by Asia. I think she is hands down by far like the most captivating, intriguing player in the W right now. Um, I, there's not a piece of content that she's put out in the last. 18 months that I have not watched. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's like clear as day that she is the superstar in the WNBA, like personality wise and uh, and actual like pro production on the court. 
you cannot deny that. Um, I think they're also like not significantly younger than me, but significantly younger than me. They're in a completely different generation. They are Gen Z ladies. And so I, I trust them to tell their stories. I don't necessarily trust people that are like 15 years or more older than them to like really understand the complexities of their relationship. Um, I can think back to a rivalry that ESPN used to love to tout, but then you look at the stats, baby, this is not a rivalry. And I'm talking about Serena Williams versus Maria Sharapova, right? Um, and I could even go a step further and bring up Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams. Um, who have met in the last, you know, a, a handful of Grand Slam finals, and you know, uh, uh, Naomi gets painted as this like docile, quiet, meek woman who's not a fierce competitor, who's not also the number one tennis player in the world. Like you don't get there by being all of those other adjectives. You get there by being hungry and super competitive, um, and so as long as like sports media by and large continues to skew like older gen z and i mean sorry um what am i what am i a millennial <laughs> older millennials and uh gen x which i think is like the next the older generation beyond me i have zero faith in their abilities to tell like to accurately depict what is happening on a basketball court and in the larger women's basketball ecosystem Man, you guys said a mouthful. I feel like I can take something from what all y'all said, but I think uh, there's so many levels to why I really don't trust the media to kind of handle something like this. Uh, for starters, you could kind of see when there was a little bit of that drama on the Mondays when there were like a little break and yes, like you had a lot of writers being like, oh, it's not good for the league. We don't need that. It's not good for us. Or, you know, they're women. They don't need to act this way or speak this way. And so I'm, I don't think I would trust them to kind of build up a rivalry per se, because they're too afraid of anyone going head to head uh, and it looking bad for the league even though I don't think it would be bad for the league, because when you look at, I kind of hate to bring the NBA in this, but when you look at the NBA right now, and there's so many players where you're kind of just like, is Steph the greatest? Is KD the greatest? Is Kyrie, like, you know, Kyrie, LeBron, is he still at the top of the throne? Like, those are the type of things that people want to discuss. And it literally gets the fans involved because everyone wants to stand behind their fave. But in the W, it's kind of like, no, don't do that. They're friends. They're all friends. It's okay. We can all coexist. And it's like, yeah, we can coexist. Uh, clearly, we were all fine when, you know, they were all on the same team for Team USA. It was fine. We were all rooting for each other. Um, but once, you know, the USA jerseys are off, I'm a Vegas fan. I'm, I'm going for Vegas. I'm riding for Vegas. It's like, yeah, I can respect what else is going on in the league, but I'm also going to ride for my team. And sometimes as far as like W writers go and some of the fans it's like no we all have to coexist and it's like yeah but if you want to grow the league you kind of got to give that you know that tit for tat type thing because that's what a lot of people want and so I definitely think that it kind of like we kind of get hurt by that in a sense of females always have to be friends you can only 
talk a certain way. You can only act a certain way. They're on, they only can be, you know, friends. And I also am wary of how they would, uh, I guess, uh, depict Asia in a sense in what Greer was talking about, because sometimes the language that's used when it's a black woman versus a white woman, it's damaging. And for Asia to have such a bubbly personality and for so many people to love her, you don't want any articles to start surfacing where there's language that's used to damage her character, even though we know her and follow her to be such a great leader for the league. Some articles on ESPN could, you know, make something like that a step back for her. I also think Asia is climbing up a super steep hill already because Stewie has so many accolades already, whether it be the four most outstanding players in the NCAA tournament, two WNBA championships, two finals MVPs. Like, even though I do believe that on its face, they are comparable players. Like, I really believe it's neck and neck. Um, but Brianna's resume is already such that Asia could win everything from this day forth, but it kind of doesn't matter in a way, like, because Brianna's has accomplished so much already at the age of like 26 or 27. Um, so I just, and what's weird, and, and, and Kai, you brought up like the rooting for players. That's how I've always been in the WNBA. I'm from LA, the Sparks obviously are the hometown team. Um, and I have friends that work for the Sparks and that have played for the Sparks, but I was never a Sparks fan. Um, I always rooted for players when it came to the W, even though I am a hardcore Lakers fan. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. But in with the women's game, I've always been a player-centric fan. Um, and so I just, you know, obviously, Suey played college ball and grew up, frankly, in ESPN's backyard. These are relationships that she's been able to cultivate for uh, over a decade now. Um, and you know, she just gets to be seen as like the ultimate winner in this part of the country. And I just don't know that, right. Asia's from the South, the deep South at that, right. Like South Carolina, that's like a very, it's not Virginia. <laughs> it's not North Carolina. It, you know, it's just a, a different, different place altogether. Um, I, I, I think informed fans like all of us, we recognize this a rivalry because at the end of the day, they're going for the same things. They both want to, they're, they're coveting a WNBA championship. That's just the facts. Um, and right now, if the standings, I think if I'm correct, right, they're number one and two in the standings. I think both of their records are 16 and six. Yes. Um, and, and so, yeah, when you year in and year out are pretty much, it's guaranteed that you guys are going to meet in the finals or semifinals. I think that qualifies as a rivalry. Um, but in terms of, I, I just don't trust the media to just keep it strictly on the basketball court. Not at all. Absolutely not. No. I think the interesting thing that you guys brought up that makes me think is I think people don't realize that in this current day and age, most sports fans are not team fans. They're player fans. And I think in order for the WNBA to grow in the way that we envision it growing is if the league understands that. 
you have to like yes you're going to always get people that live in vegas who are beholden to vegas you're always going to get those locals but the larger majority of sports fans in every sport almost is a, a fan of players if I, like i'm a lebron fan lebron could go move, play for Sh- charlotte and i'm sliding i'm about to jersey and i'm gonna slide down the street Asia could go and play in New York, and Lord knows I cannot stand Liberty, but I'm putting, I'm getting a Liberty jersey, right? Um, and I think that's why this rivalry thing becomes such an issue, because it's a battle between the establishment that thinks like, oh no, there's like, yes, let's be friends, but within the friends, there's still a hierarchy, and we're going to promote them on this hierarchical, hierarchical scale. But then there's also this pushback where it's like, if you allow each of these players to, you know, these rivalries to ebb and flow and these these situations kind of organically happen, then it allows for the fans to get even more involved and even more invested behind these campaigns that you can create centered around these players. Like the best players, in my opinion, in the league are all playing the same position when they're healthy. You've got Stewie, you've got Asia, you've got John Quill Jones, you've got Tina Charles, you've got EDD when she's healthy, you've got Kenneth Parker, you know, even at her age. The best players in the league are all playing around the same position or can be hybrid in those positions. And yet the league has not found a way to capitalize off of all that talent centered right now in the league. And so you're going to have players like Sylvia, as we've talked about in other episodes, who are great, like great numbers, consistent careers, who when we look back in history, we're going to have to do a, a, ooh, y'all slept on her. But in actuality, we didn't sleep on her. They just were not marketed to us in a way that was palatable to create room, keyword being room, for all these players to, to flourish and be seen and their fan bases to be heard. Right now, there's only room for either them to coexist as friends or Stewie to be the best player. There is not room for there to be any any type of debate. Like, we can have this debate because we understand. But if you turn to a halftime episode um, of a WNBA game on ESPN, there's no one having these conversations because they don't have the depth to to look at the players that we see and really analyze and examine, you know, what they are for their teams in their different roles, right? And I think what Gur said hits it on the head. I think if you look at them as players currently, what they do on the court, Stu and Asia are a lot closer. But when you look at resume and marketing, there's a there's a larger gap. But if we could find a way to fill that gap, then you could create a story that is full and 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 thorough and allows for so much freedom in in campaigns and in marketing and in sponsorships and then it doesn't turn into a where i have to argue why is asia not the face or a stewie fan has to argue why is stewie not the face like we can have them all be in there and be seen and be glorified and be celebrated and that's what's so frustrating about the w is there is not room there has not been room for multiple things to be true at one time or for multiple players to be seen and heard. I also think it's like a, it would be a fool's errand to grow the WNBA in the same ways that the NBA has grown over the years. Yes. Um, right, we're looking at 25 years versus 75 now, basically. 
Um, and in the 25 years, they've done uh, like a great job. Uh, you know, you can think of like a handful of women who are household names, right? Like I, I said the other day, like my mom doesn't even really watch the WNBA, but when she saw Brittany Griner score 30 in the gold medal game, she's like, is that the same BG that played at Baylor all those years ago? Da-da-da-da. So like, um, I think, right, the NBA is going through a period right now where LeBron is in year 18 or 19, uh, who's carrying him, right? They just, I think, had the worst finals, like uh, ratings and all of that. But yeah, if you stake all of your like resources on hoping one player gets to the mountaintop, then that's dumb, you know? Um, exactly. I also think like all of the, right, the Houston Comets no longer exist, the Detroit Shock no longer exists. So some of these like, teams that have a, an illustrious history in the WNBA no longer exist. And for that, re like rivalries are, aren't promoted in the ways that they should be because like historically they're gone or like they're, we're welcoming new fans who didn't even know that the Houston Comets existed, didn't even know that the Detroit Shock existed. Um, I think the last great rivalry between teams was LA and Minnesota and yes. now both of those teams only have two players from LA and one player from Minnesota, like from the original rivalry. Um, and it's not something that ever gets discussed on broadcast anymore, which really sucks. The WNBA definitely needs to do a better job of incorporating their history into broadcast, into marketing campaigns. I feel like this was the 25th year of the WNBA and we've got, uh, nine or 10 games left to go for each team. Absolutely. And like, it's yeah. been very, I thought we would see like a much more comprehensive effort to highlight the WNBA's history over the last 25 years than what we've seen so far this year. And I understand that Tokyo kind of probably threw some of that off. And obviously they've tried to bring in like the 99, 1996 team to the halftime and, and do all that. But I just think like, even on an individual team basis, like, there could have been just more efforts to highlight each franchise's history so far 25 years into this thing. Um, there are players who just don't get talked about enough. And I'm like, I remember watching her, she was a bucket. Like Tweety Nolan, I think is like one of those players, like I, I never hear her name come up anymore. And I'm like, for years, she was one of the top two or three most entertaining players in the league. Um, and like all of the, like just incredibly athletic, like all of the things that people say that they want to see from women's basketball. And I'm like, if you, if you just went back and did the math, like they, they've existed. And I don't know like where these women end up going later on in their lives, but like us as fans and definitely as teams and franchises and as a league, I think that it could have just been way more informational about like the groundwork that has really already been laid in the W. Um, but it, it, what you just said about Tweety goes back to the point we were making earlier about when we have a singular narrative around players, it, it, it cuts people out of history, especially when the history is not told because what's gonna happen if the league does not pivot is in 10 years, 
when Asia and Stewie are starting to finish up their careers, God, Lord, please, I need them to be there 15 more years. But regardless, in a certain amount of time, you're going to have a new crop of players. And that's going to knock out some of the players that we would consider top five players in the league right now from ever being talked about again. And that blows my mind. Like, the the rise of Diana, Diana Tarazi and Suberg and these type of players knock out the way that we can even look at and frame people like Tisha Pinachera. Like, the fact that these type of players aren't really discussed now in the way that they should is a result of moving the conversation so heavily to the same players repeatedly. And I th- I fear that that's what is happening or could happen with the current way the league is promoted if you look at the way that Sabrina was brought in to the league. Like, it was the same routine showing up. Well, I've been trying to pinpoint, like, what bothers me about certain conversations when we come when we talk about sports, especially like individual players. And I think it's like a couple of things. I think that there's like the eye test, right? Like I'm watching you between the lines, 88, 94 feet. Like, do you got game or not? Right? Like right. eye test only. Then you get like accomplishments and accolades, right? Like that's a whole separate discussion. A whole separate, yeah. Um, And then there's a whole type of discussion is just like, I just fuck with this player. Like, that's just who I like. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're good <laughs> or not. This is who I rock with, right? And like, yep. I think now, I know now because I talk to sports fans of all like uh, backgrounds of all interest levels too, right? Like we're, we're in the upper crust of like people who care and people who know, but like most sports fans do not have this level of knowledge. Um, and so it depends on who you're talking to. Um, but though, yeah, like I think it's time, start, time to start having like three separate discussions about like what it means to analyze someone's career, analyze someone's game and, and be a fan um, ultimately. Okay. Um, that, that's where I feel like I'm st- like, that's where I'm steering. Um, yeah, there's just certain conversations like if you don't know, I don't know, player X, like I'm not going to talk to you about who the top 25 players are to ever play in the WNBA because. Boom. Okay, facts. It's not you, worth it. Boom. boom. Yeah, it's, just, it's not worth my time. You need to go to YouTube University and look it's it up. It's like if your history <laughs> only goes as far back as, say, two drafts ago you can't talk to me about who are the top five point guards in the league. You can't tell me who you think is the best post players because I just, I don't, I can't agree. Yeah. Well, y'all just really gave that conversation what it needed. And I'm so glad that y'all are here because like, I don't think I could have done it justice without you guys' insight and that really just gave me like some clarity. <laughs> like, you know, that'll eradicate so much of the social media monotony is just to simply be like, are we on the same, like, are we talking about the same thing with the same level of information? If not, we're gonna slide around <laughs> and try True. to stop it. <laughs> so I'm here for that. So be on the lookout. Dolores might not be arguing with so many people in the coming weeks. 
Um, You should just, before you even have a conversation, you should just have like a baseline question and be like, can you answer this question? And if they can't, be like, nah, get out my mention. (laughs) Okay, well, the WNBA returns, y'all. The WNBA returns, because period, and I'm stressed, and I, like, yes, y'all gonna kill me. I don't know what the league was thinking with the scheduling. It was terrible. Like, the commissioner's Scheduling's always terrible. Like, the first, like the commissioner's cup felt like it was on a random day of the week with no actual real good buildup besides that Sierra video that wasn't really the great timing. Okay, hold on. Can I just say I was so mad at the WNBA because they sent me an email like three days before the commissioner cup and was like, tickets are now available for the commissioner's cup. Do you want to buy? And I was just like, I'm sorry, is this the same game that's about to happen in three days in Phoenix? I am in Atlanta right now. Are you kidding me? Like, are you serious right now? Is this the promotion that we're going for right now? I was so mad. I was like, how, like, this is terrible promoting, (laughs) terrible. Okay, keep going. I just had to say that because it. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't really understand. Um. I didn't understand why Phoenix was chosen as a neutral location for the game. Um, I didn't understand why I didn't understand why the scientists halftime performance at oh, all. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of things. Like I, I, I think it has the potential to get better. I actually really enjoyed most of the actual Commissioner's Cup games prior to the Olympic break. Yeah. Um, yes, same. Really enjoyed that, and like you saw the competition pick up for com- Commissioner's Cup games, um, and that ultimately I was just extremely disappointed with Connecticut's performance. Oh God, um, I can't even. It, it's actually making me rethink what they're going to do in the playoffs because you had nine practice or wh- however many Seattle had none. Just put it like that. Okay, five players playing in Tokyo, um, and different capacities and then and one player coming off of covid right one player in in lieu coming off of covid and just had not had time together and connecticut here you go you get john Chloe back she's not doing her bosnia team national team stuff the other four players are committed to playing for you all season long and you guys got smacked and it was like from the tip too it wasn't even like a slow burn. It was like immediate. It was yeah. I mean, Stewie, I think had 15 points in the first quarter. Yeah, and it was just it was like, bad. This is not like like if you Kai had had paid your hard earned money to go from Atlanta to Phoenix to watch that game, you would have been money. pissed. Yeah. yeah, it was bad, especially like when you hear. Holly Rowe talk about how she's like, you know, Connecticut comes out of the huddle, every huddle and say like $30,000 or something like that. So they know what they're playing for. And then when I look at the game, I'm like, do they know? Do they know they play for 30,000? Because I don't see it right now. Like, I'm not seeing it. It was, it was bad. Like, I understand teams have rust, but that was just, that was bad. It was really, really, really sad to watch. And, this like the worst part about it was it's like with the league being where it is and that's supposedly being a really big game for the league like for that to be the material that we received (laughs) i was uh, almost pissed (laughs) like i 
you know, I literally planned my day. I taught dance that morning. Get, you know, pull up all my screens. I got three screens going on ready. Like I got stats on one screen, the game on another screen, my phone ready to tweet on the other. And I like I <laughs> I could not even get into the game. Seattle was giving them the work from tip, <laughs> like tip. And it was just I was just like I, I did not have words for that. And it I literally by the third quarter, I was no longer even invested, interested. And that's unfortunate. It honestly, like, no shade reminded me of why the league got rid of the conference championships for the finals. Yeah. Uh, Because the West is just deep. It's always deep and competitive. And then the East, they would always send someone, uh, Atlanta, most of the time. And they would get there and they'd lose like three games straight and it was over. And so, you know, they got rid of the whole Eastern Western Conference and the playoffs were a little bit more competitive. But it honestly, while I was watching it, I was just like, man, I wonder if they can find a way to no longer make it East versus West because this ain't it. Like, I know some teams in the West that would be putting on a better fight right now. Dallas would have put on a better fight I than mean, what Connecticut did. Like, the, <laughs> someone posted a stat the other week, and this is kind of moving, you know, us into everything else that we're talking about in the rest of the episode. But the winningest team in the league, I think, over the past three or four years is actually Vegas. And that is, to me, like, that tells me that, like, exactly what he was saying, like, the West is just thriving. Like, Seattle's won, what, the last, they won the title in two out, 20, of, three. Two out of three. Two out of three, right, two out of three. Yeah. And then you had Washington pull um, the one prior. But it's just, like, the, the teams that I'm looking at when we get to our playoff predictions are, like, the team teams are in the West. Like, in the West. And what Connecticut did was just baffling to me because – the respect I had for some of the players, I can't say had. I'm just so mad at them. The respect I had for some of the players on that team, like, just went into the gutter after that performance. Like, you cannot be in a league MVP conversation and not show up, period. I bone, I'm bet, baby, 30,000 don't get you juice. 30, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't okay. know. Do to say I'm to, I'm gonna foul you before I let you drop to beat me by twenty. Okay, not for if thirty thousand is on the line. No offense with how much they get paid. I'm listen. I'm diving on the floor for all loose balls. If you scoring, it's gonna be over a foul or something. We taking it back to the park. We just like we this, going back to the park. The seven day contracts girls just made more money then half half the people in the league off the strength of um Stewie, Jewel, and Sue smacking everybody. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy because just leading up to that game, like Kurt Miller and Dewana Bonner, they talked about how much they wanted to win it for like the rookies and how like much they really wanted this win. And so I'm like, all right, this game is gonna be good. And, you know, Sue and them, they're talking about wanting the win and for the money, too. So I'm like, all right. And with money on the line, I'm thinking this is going to be a good one. I, like you said, plan my day accordingly, turn my TV on. I was in my bed, like, TV on, watching. And I was like, oh, this is over after the first quarter. 
Yeah, right. just like with the it's it just like like you were saying, Dolores. It just can't be. It can't be. That can't be the product when this is the only nationally televised game on this night. Yeah, like, the entire sporting world's attention is on this game because there's nothing else happening. You know, it's the dog days of summer. Like major league, nobody cares about major league baseball. This was this is it. Like this is your inaugural Commissioner's Cup game, and it was a dud. And, and you have like two MVP candidates going after it at this moment. Yeah, and, and the possible MIP in the game. Like, yeah. there was just too much talent on both sides of the. Floor. Wait, I'm sorry. Most improved. Bree Jones. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm like, wait, who? But yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, just and right, someone who just made their first All Star game, like just, just yeah. truly disappointing to watch. Um, truly. It was, yeah, it was the return of the WNBA like all together, and it was just like this is not it. This I would have oh, rather like them play next week or something. Okay, so maybe uh, Sue, Jewel, and Stewie wanted to get back at the three All Stars on Connecticut's team for beating them in the <laughs> All Star game. They might have took it personal. I don't know. That's because I mean, John Quill gave uh, the. USA team, the work. So the I think work. Stewie might have took that personal. Yeah, the work. Well, I mean, that wraps that up. It was such a disappointment that I really don't want to give it more time than what we just gave it. <laughs> um, but, you know, with the WNBA returning, um, we mentioned it earlier. Um, but after last night's games, there have been some shakeups in the standings. Um, the biggest one being. Vegas started the game against Washington looking like they stayed um, in bed for COVID, um, didn't return from Tokyo, Liz stayed in Australia, and everybody else was at the game at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Bad. <laughs> Stay, like, bad. I, like, you cannot have a worse start in, um, in, a, in a basketball game than Vegas had against Washington. Well... By the work of God, more specifically Asia Wilson and a sprinkle of Chelsea Gray, they come back and win the game against Washington. We're not going to devote this episode to that game, even though I could because, oh, my God. But them winning that game, Seattle losing to um, Chicago in a game that Chicago should have won by 30, but only won by, what, one? That's the story for another day as well. Ends up meaning that Vegas bought Chicago I'm sorry, Vegas bumped Seattle um, into the number one place for Vegas. Seattle drops to two. Connecticut is now at three in the standings, if I'm saying that correctly. If not, quote me. Um, let me know in my DMs. Um, but regardless, um, the top three teams look a little bit different after the first game back. Then, and all those teams are, what, a half game apart? The next four teams, which would then be, what, Chicago, New York, many those teams are also a half game apart. In Phoenix the also. Phoenix, Phoenix, there we go, thanks. Phoenix, all those teams are a half game apart in the standings as well. So in my eyes, you got what? The top three teams that are shoe-ins in the playoffs more than likely are going to get to the semifinals. And then everyone else is fighting for the next spot in the semis. And it, from what we saw last night, that would – the way those those players came back playing and the, by the end 
everybody wants to make the playoffs. Like, even yeah. the Indiana and Sparks game was competitive. McCowan and Zowie B literally blood on the court. Like, everybody came back hungry with a little spice, a little extra. Mm-hmm. There was just energy from everybody. Like, I'm not the biggest Brianneski fan, but I thought she played great for New York. Um, Natasha Howard came back and dropped 30. Like, just numbers. Like, everybody dropped numbers. I think Key made a tweet today about um, of all the leading scorers, the majority of them um, in the league actually lost the game for their teams. And you had, what, Asia and Sil, who were the two leading scorers and rebounders, that ended up winning the game. So you just had competition on everybody in the league's playing on the same day. Um, some teams aren't fully healthy, but the players that played by the end of the game was giving us great, great basketball. And if that's the basketball we're going to get for the last 10 to 12 games of the season, let me strap, you know, some coffee to my right cheek. It is going to be a while. On my left, and we we going to be tweeting until Jesus come back. This is what I wanted. This is what I wanted to see. Everybody essentially had a second training camp, right? A, mo- yeah. a lot of teams, let's say were able to have a second training camp, essentially, with the exceptions of Minnesota, Phoenix, and Seattle, and Vegas, right, who all had, like, multiple Olympians on their teams. Um, and that I wanted to, I wanted it to look like, oh, we just had two weeks to practice, and we know each other, and we're ready to, like, lock and look, you know, rock and roll. Like, and that's what yesterday gave to me. Um, but I also thought, like, uh, those teams should have won their games, respectively, and they did not. And yeah. also, I think, like, hearts of champions, you know what I mean? Like, real winners out here won. Vegas, uh, Seattle lost yesterday, but Chicago should feel like crap with the yeah. way that they played Absolutely. yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. Jewel had to take 30, sh- I mean, 30 shots in a WNBA game. I think that's, like, unheard of. Sorry. Especially for, for her, but, yeah, definitely. Um, I alarm in the background, so I had to go on mute real quick. But um, but yeah, no, Jewel having to take thirty shots and like they just barely won. Chicago, I I I don't know. Concern for them, honestly. Like I'm like I feel like they've had their struggles, and I know people have said most of their team has been injured, or I think they were saying the like the past three practices was the first practices they've had with all of the players, but something still to me isn't like something about the team just doesn't look right. Like they're always making turnovers. They like, they're always in it. And then sometimes they do a lot of terrible possessions back to back to back to back to back. And it's just like, what in the world is going on? Especially when you have a leader like Candace Parker, uh, you have Courtney Vandersloot as your point guard and she's been making a lot of turnovers that you don't really see her make often, but in that late game in Seattle, she made like at least two full court passes that got intercepted. And I was just like, what is going on with Chicago? So I hope they can figure it out. Cause I definitely had them. It's always in my opinion, just have a lot of excuses. They got like one of the most talented rosters. Shake the table. Hands down, but they just got excuses, whether it was James Wade, pulling double duty, being a GM and a coach. Okay, then get a GM. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, when, the point is to win games. That's it. Um, they made it to 
Right, Vegas beat them a few years back, right? That, that was, uh, two 19. years back, yeah. That was like a little fake rivalry, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like they got so caught up with that instead of like just coming in every day, getting better, and putting like a better product on the court. Um, they really got sidetracked by thinking like they were Vegas's equal when they're not. Um, they're not. They got more juice to play Vegas than they do any other games. I you swear, when they play Vegas, they it. like shoot lights out. They have so much energy, and then they turn around the next day and play a team like Indiana and lose. And I just be like, Yeah, I I've been really disappointed. Drag the girl. Oh, that was a drag. Yes, I, I, I watched a lot of Chicago games. Right, like we're just speaking on what we see. Everybody else sees it too. I've just been disappointed. Um, I think they are, they're currently in fifth right now with Phoenix a half game behind them and New York one and a half games behind. Minnesota's kind of like doing their own thing. They're two games, they're in fourth and they're two games behind Vegas and Seattle. Um, but I feel like they've, like, unless something weird happens, they're probably just going to be fourth. Like, that's just what it's going to end up being. Um, Chicago, I could see them slipping. I definitely see... Chicago has a tough stretch, to be honest. I was looking at their schedule a couple of days ago, and they still have to play Vegas three times. Uh, They play Seattle twice. They still have Seattle twice with Sue Bird and uh, Stewie. So, because they have... Yeah, and they still have Minnesota. So that out of they have six games, like, and then on top of that, they still have to play like New York with Natasha Howard. Yeah, I'm like, like when I said I'm concerned for <laughs> Chicago, I am concerned for them. I really am. They better yeah, get I mean, um, Gabby Williams on the phone. The playoffs, I'm not surprised. Like that first half of the season, those three losses to LA really hurt them. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize that their schedule was like that. Me either. Tough. Talk it about is. a tough break. Um, yes. But that's not even a tough break. Like you said. I mean, you knew what it was. Yes. Right. It's yes. excuses. And this brings me back. I don't even know. Like, this is something that I just have to get off my chest. And if like you said earlier, Greer, the GM and coach thing is biting Chicago in the ass. And it boils down to not drafting the right players, in my opinion, in the last few years for that team and not moving pieces as they should have moved them in order to actually be the contenders that they think they are. You do not continue to play Diamond Shields and Clea Copper on the floor together and get the product we've seen for the last two years and not change something. You do not draft Shyla Hill, play her for almost two months of the season, realize that you made a terrible decision, and then go pick up the player you should have drafted. You do not have Ruthie Hebert start the season as probably your second or best post player. The most efficient player on the team. She didn't play the game yesterday. And if I'm not mistaken. She didn't. I was being tweeted so many times. 
Like, you're literally, you have Pulse players. Like, I get it. You know, she's playing behind uh, Azure, Candace Parker, Stephanie Dolson, Astu. I get it. But when they're struggling to score, and Ruthie has shown up time and time again time at the first time. half of that season, she was the most efficient post player probably in the league. She has more post moves than any of those other women you just named. I was so mad that she was not in the game. No trade. Like, I mean, legit. Like, I feel like you give Ruthie the ball on the block, I trust her to get two. She has nice (laughs) feet movement in the post. And she finishes. She has a nice touch around the rim. She finishes. And they needed people to finish. They, their post players weren't hitting their shots yesterday. They had wide open 15 footers, wide open little Layer. jump shots, and missing. Y'all, the mm. way Chicago Sky fans are going to drag us, but I'm ready because what's peak? I mean, it's that. I already said it on Twitter <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> no, yeah, but. I mean, they need to be worried about their team making it to the playoffs. Don't respond period. to us. Because right now I mean, it's looking kind of bleak. Real bleak. And that, that moves me to our next topic <laughs> because I I had a theory and <laughs> the theory has been disproven. Um so we're gonna look ahead to the postseason and you know these awards and a possible look at the championship and I'm just gonna go on record and say that in spite of everything that I've just said, I had Chicago and I still do have Chicago playing in the WNBA Finals. Call me crazy. Call me hypocritical. But I think that if it, I don't even, I feel like I need to get it in. If the trade deadline is not best and they can move somebody, Chicago is still a piece away from being the best team in the league, in my opinion. Or just changing the rotations up. Start Alec Quigley. <laughs> like, I know you're trying to do the six one of the year campaign for my good sis. Um, What's gone? It's, that's it's, over. It's not happening. So, yeah. like, moving and starting let up, you clearly only have Diamond in there for, like, boosting ego because she did not play in the overtime, but for the last possession on some defense, and that was pissed for all game. But I had them in the finals against Vegas. Um, We're going to pray and see how that goes. Um, but some of my other predictions I have in the playoffs, I have Vegas, Chicago, Phoenix, Seattle, Minnesota, New York, Dallas, and Washington. Dallas, I do think, does creep in um, to the playoffs. Like, there's something about them that makes me kind of keep keep thinking they can do it, like a little engine that could. Um, when you have that much talent on the roster, almost one could say too much. You're gonna win some games. You're gonna you're gonna beat some good teams, and I think Dallas could be enough good teams in the closing stretch to slip slide their way in. Um, now they might lose by fifty in the first round because um, that's how Jekyll and Hyde they are. Um, but I would love to see Dallas make it into the playoffs, just because I think that organization, in spite of how terrible their ownership is, deserves something to smile for. Um, and I'm always team Alicia Gray, so get my good sis into the playoffs and then let her slide somewhere else in the coming years because, ooh. Um, then my predictions for MVP, I, in the preseason, I tweeted that my homer pick was Asia, um, my more 
basketball mind pick was John Quill, just off the strength of the team that she's playing on. And I'm gonna stick with that. I think both players are playing at that caliber, minus the Commissioner's Cup. Um, but I think <laughs> I think we could see one of those two take it. Of course, Stewie's always in the conversation. Tina Charles is out of the conversation solely because she played terrible in Tokyo. Um, so yeah, those are my three um, top three picks for MVP. Um, I said what I said. Um, defensive player of the year. I, Sabria is going to get me. Um, but I did not pick Miss Sykes solely because her offense has been so piss poor. And I know it's a defensive award. But you know, if the only thing you get brought into the game to do is play defense, and rack up fouls, and you score maybe 10 points a game, I can't do it. So I'm going to give it to Seal because I think she's earned it. Um, She's played tremendous defense. As we talked about before, she's guarding some of the best players in the league night in and night out, leading league in steals, um, blocking shots, defending, moving her feet, sliding around, all that. So I got Seal for defensive player of the year. Rookie of the year. I don't want to give it to anybody because let's just be honest. This was a terrible rookie class. Terrible. And aside from those two games that Michaela had early in the year, she's been terrible. Um, but it's Michaela's. Um, coach of the year. Um, this is interesting to me, but I've got to give it to Chell Reeve again <laughs> because she keeps doing it. She finds a way, man. I don't know how, but she a finds way. a way. I think Cheryl Reeve is across basketball, all levels. I think she's top three coach in professional basketball right now. Like I can she's she's extremely smart. I saw that um this is like just a random sidebar, but I saw that Don said she would uh mention mm-hmm. her as mm-hmm. a successor and I one hundred percent hope that the USA follows through with that because I think she's She's just smart. Her, her like her they, knowledge of the game. The way that they've been doing it, and don't like break tradition. That's exactly what's gonna happen. Don yeah. was Gino's assistant. Gino was Anne's assistant. Like that's just. I the hope they stick with it because yeah. she's like, she's just she gets it. I don't know like what she does, but <laughs> she just gets it. Yeah. Well, um, I, personal personal feelings aside, because Lord knows she grinded my gears <laughs> with that comment with the Maria Taylor issue. But regardless, I do think she deserves that. I mean, eight game winning streak in the heart of the WBA season, going and picking up Lasia, like you got to give it to her. Um, six one of the year. Hmm. KP. Um, KP is Kelsey That's Plum. That's yeah. It's Kelsey Plum. Like, it's Kelsey Plum. And Lord yep. knows I'm her worst critic, but she is doing what a sixth woman of the year should do. When she gets in the game, she does exactly what she should do. And in my opinion, Dierica, I don't know, for whatever reason, has not been full go this season. Kelsey Plum has taken that mantle and kind of run with it. And those two together as a second unit for Vegas has been their calling card um, in games, whether it's been to get them in the game or whether it's been to extend the lead. Um, those two have really done a great job, but more specifically, Kelsey um, has done a great job of asserting herself as a scorer um, and true threat behind the arc. 
Um, it very much giving Washington tees, um, and I'm here for it. Um, most improved um, would have to go. I got to give it to Bree Jones. Um, I'm she's another player in the league where I did not think she could last in the league. I I always thought she was a little bit too immobile. Um, to really shake and and do some of the things that she's done this league um this year, but to see her get herself in shape, um to see her really step into that role that she's taken, um in Connecticut and let's just be honest when um John Quill went out she balled out and looked like a top one or two option on that team alongside Dewana Bonner, um so I would definitely have to get most improved to my good sis. Bree Jones, but you know, we're gonna open the floor for my good sis um to 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 give their take. So um y'all take it away. I also posted some um WNBA predictions. I'm actually gonna try to even bring them up. I remember I, I believe I had Phoenix winning it all. I think that's what I had chosen, which <laughs> right now, <laughs> I'm going to ask if you still stand by that. <laughs> terrible. I do think, I mean, they are in six, and I do think that they will make the playoffs. Um, I believe I have Brittany Griner as MVP, which at, right now I don't Not think. you giving the girls LaChina Robinson, because you know LaChina is going to call her MVP every year. I, yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought Brittany was, like, going to come back from, you know, leaving the bubble early last year and just come back like super focused and refreshed. And like, we all know that this is Diana's uh, 17th season or something, something like that, 16, 17, something, just like in, she's in the twilight. Like 25, career. let's just say 25. <laughs> <laughs> twilight career. So I thought Brittany would like really go hard and try to solidify themselves as like one of the best teams in the league and try to get her bet one last championship so that her, her and Sue could have the same amount of championships. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen now. I think, um, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable putting Tina Charles as the MVP of this league. Her team is eighth in the in the league. They're currently three games under 500. I don't think that you can, I think you can be, you can lead the league in scoring, which she's doing right now, like or over 26 points a game. But I don't think that that makes you the most valuable player. Um, I guess I would be looking at Arena Frazier. I just would. She's played every game of the season. Um, figuring out how to integrate Liz into what they do, figuring out how to uh, – Kelsey, who's also a number one draft pick, you know what I mean? Like, they they have a lot of talent on their team. And for Asia to have won – MVP last year and still be producing damn near at the same level while also adding with better stats. With yeah. better stats, that's the part that people miss. The stats are better this year, and that's crazy. Yeah, I think um, I think she's not being talked about enough in the conversation, to be honest. Um, and then Stewie's just doing what she does. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> just doing what she does. And again, like it's just the, the when it's all said and done. It, it's really between the two best players in the league to me. Um, most improved, definitely Bree Jones, like by a landslide. I think Kelsey is by far sixth woman of the year. And just to see her doing what she's accomplished this summer post Achilles tear is just incredible. Um, I love that she just knows to come in the game and score. 
<laughs> like, we don't need you trying to make plays for nobody else. Score. Score. <laughs> okay? That's what you do. Score it. Um, and then defensive player of the year, I don't know. I mean, I think Candace always has a case. Candace Parker, that is. Um, Sykes, like, uh, it's cool. But again, like, the best players in this league do not play your position either. So when you're, you know, you're not guarding, you're not guarding Asia, you're not guarding Tina, you're not guarding John Quell. No shade, but like the focal point of offenses, you are not guarding. Um, And so I think that that, like when we talk about versatility on defense, like it would be different if you were guarding one through four, but you're not. Um, and Stewie does that sometimes, you know what I mean? Asia is able to switch out on guards. Like uh, I think versatility should be praised more in the women's game. Um, that. Is. Uh, what other awards are out there? Coach. Uh, Coach, yeah, sure, straight up. <laughs> they are two games out of the best record in the league. I, again, I think they've overachieved. I would love to go back and look at what the experts, where they had Minnesota finishing this year, but I'm fairly certain it wasn't a top four seed. Um, and she really coaches. You know, you, mm-hmm. you watch her uh, coach Crystal Dangerfield, for instance, who could have came in and rested on her laurels as being the defending rookie of the year. And, and yeah, she did that in a, league, in a season where they were in the bubble and uh, the presumed rookie of the year only played two games because of an ankle injury. But you still have to go out and win the award. And you still have to go out and be coached to win that award. And she did that. And she's coaching her even harder this season, right? Like. Yeah. And it's like, don't rest on your laurels. Um, and and yeah, Lasia, what she's done for them has just been incredible. And you don't do that without being prepared by the coaching staff and empowered by the coaching staff. Um, and then there was one other award that, you, oh, oh, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, it's Michaela's award at this point of the season. Um, I, In my heart of hearts, I don't think New York is gonna make the playoffs. Um, I think that they're just going to miss it. I think that Washington will be better if EDD comes back, Nisman comes back, like you got pedigree, finals, playoff pedigree. Um, And New York only has one player like that on their team who just came back from injury herself. Um, But like a really valiant effort. I really have enjoyed watching a ton of their games this year. Um, But I don't think that they're on the same level as some of the other teams that we've discussed. I have a question. So uh, the four teams that are not in playoff standing right now is Dallas, LA, Atlanta, and Indiana. Who do you think replaces New York out of those four? Um, wow. Part of me wants to say the Sparks, right? Like, They've got a bunch of veteran players. Um, I watched their game last night against a fever. I don't think that they should have – I don't even think that should have been a competitive game, but, like, it is what it is. Um, But I think NECA and Christy, too, for that matter, see the way that their season has gone so far, and they're like – I know Christy's like, I didn't come back for this bullshit, not not to go out like this. 
And then NECA, um, obviously everybody knows what happened with her with Team USA and Team Nigeria and just her inability to compete in the Olympics at all. Um, and I think she's hungry. I think she wants to get an upset, right? Because like in the WNBA playoff format, the first, the top two teams get a bye and then the three seed will play the eight seed, right? And something like that. Like, right. um, I think the top two seeds get a bye. The next two seeds get like a first round bye. And then the right. bottom four seeds will play each other. And okay. then, yeah. So if they yeah, split it's like up five, eight, it's five and eight, yeah, it's five and eight. And then six and seven. And then yeah. they'll get whoever's next. They'll reseed. That. For three, they're like winning games, right? Like, like, yes, yeah, and death kind of thing, right? Yeah, I like, I like LA's chances to get into that conversation. I like, I think a lot of other teams will be going like, if LA can like even gain some momentum over the next nine or ten games, um, I think you would find a lot of teams that would say, like, I'd rather avoid them, (laughs) you know, true. No one wants to play at angry NECA, so Who, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does. Just before um, he goes, who's uh, – because I think at that point, does it not more so just go to who – like, of those four teams, who has the easiest re- – like, who has the most winnable games left? I mean, like, LA kind of – I was looking at LA's schedule, and they play, like, the Dream three times, the Fever, like, mind. twice. <laughs> yeah. They got the Liberty. They do have to play Connecticut, like, twice, I think. No, they play Connecticut three times, so that'll probably be a tough one. But I think the other teams they play are more so at the bottom half of the standings. Okay. I'm here yeah, for it. Strength of schedule is in their favor for sure. I think it's going to come down to the teams in the because because of the Commissioner's Cup, a lot of the teams in the West, where I think all of the tougher teams are, have already played each other because of the Commissioner Cup, and so most of them still have those East games left. Whereas the teams in the East have all the teams in the West left because they had to play each other for the Commissioner Cup. You're right. So that probably ruined a lot of things for a bunch of the East teams. I can see a lot of them starting to shift towards the bottom if they have to start playing through Seattle, Vegas, Minnesota, because they still have a lot of those games left. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, New York. New York has Seattle soon, right? Uh, like I think so. After, after Minnesota, I think they have Seattle. Yeah. I think okay. So. Well, who's your pick? Um, I'm going to start with Coach of the Year since that is kind of where Greer left off, and I am agreeing 100% with everyone in Cheryl Reeves. I think my favorite thing about her is that she doesn't try to make her players fit a system that may have worked like maybe two years ago or one year ago. She makes her system fit the players that she has, and I think I honestly think that's what works so well for her. She knows how to find something that works with the players that she has instead of just trying to shove people into the system that may not work for them. So I love that. I love watching her coach. Um, Not the biggest fan of her, the person, but the coach love watching her coach. She's, she's definitely coach of the year for me. Rookie of the year. I'm going to say that uh, based on what I saw from Michaela yesterday, 
I'm hoping that maybe Dana Evans' game from yesterday gave James Wade a reason to play her more because Courtney does need a break every once in a while. And I liked what I saw from Dana yesterday. And so uh, the selfish person in me want to see a rookie of the year race heat up. And so I'd love for Dana to kind of put her name in there. But I think it's going to go to Michaela. But I would love to see Dana kind of, you know, make it a little bit more interesting. Uh, sixth woman of the year, Kelsey Plum. I'm so happy that she's playing well because she's on my team. So, you know, love that she's playing well. Super, super proud of her coming back from her Achilles injury. And um, she's doing what she's supposed to do. Like both of you guys said, she's doing what's expected of her as a player coming off the bench. She changes the game. She changes the tempo. She gives us scoring. So, uh I think she's been probably the most consistent player coming off of the bench throughout the league. So I'm going with her for sure. Uh, defensive player of the year, Big Sill. Um, I was looking over her stats and she's like averaging three steals a game, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and it's probably not talked about a lot, but she, she has great hands on defense. I think she's probably like, ranked number two on in defensive rebounds behind Griner right now. And um blocks, um I think she's like one right now above like far above the next person as far as blocks go. So I like Big Sill. I hope that she gets it. She's been dominating in the paint and a lot of her guards on her team kind of get blown by on defense and she just comes out of nowhere and finishes it. So I got her winning defensive player of the year. But I do agree that the defensive player of the year is going to come from someone in that four or five range because that's where the best players are right now. And so it's kind of hard to really give it to a guard when their best play, like the best players in the league aren't guards. I was actually looking at the stats like earlier today. And if you look at like points, rebounds, blocks, even like Asia and Stewie throw themselves in there for like top 20 and assists and stuff like that. The top five, six players of this league for points and rebounds are all either. It's a mixture of Tina, BG, Stewie, Asia, and Jonquel Jones. They're in the top five, six for all of those stats. And that's kind of crazy to think about, but the best players in this league are the fours and the fives. That's literally what it is. And so when I'm looking at defensive matches, I'm looking at who's guarding them, how are they guarding them, how are they containing them the best way that they can, because that's where the most productivity is coming from. So I hope Big Sil gets it, because I'm rooting for MVP. This one's so tough, because it's like, I'm I'm going with Jonquil Jones right now, but I feel like Asia and Stewie can take it at some point, depending on how everyone finishes the season. But right now I'm going with Jonquil Jones, but I think it's going to be kind of hard because as far as head-to-head matches go, Stewie has won the head-to-head matches with Jonquil. Jonquil has won the head-to-head matches with Asia, and Asia has won the head-to-head matches with Stewie. So it's even harder to even if you just want to put it at that, it's hard to kind of decide with that. So I'm going with my three players being them. Can't give it to Tina. I agree. Her team is, I'm all for MVP got to go at least with rankings. Like if your team's 
sitting in that close range of you're about to fall out of the playoffs and the only way people feel like y'all can make it is if EDD comes back. It's like, are you the most valuable player then? If you need EDD. Like if the conversation is Washington can win if EDD comes back. So it's like, okay, so is she the most valuable player if you need EDD in order to win? Because just last season, we watched Asia take a team that didn't have Liz Cambage, well, Liz Cambage and Kelsey Plum, and she took them to the finals. We're watching Stewie right now take a team that just lost Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard, and they're sitting in second place. And so those two players, against all odds, against a lot of odds where a lot of people didn't think they'd be successful, are still being successful. So I can't give it to Tina, and it's just like, but she needs EDD. Because then shouldn't we just give it to Elena? What's so crazy is this just made me realize how crazy first team all WNBA is going to be. That's I, I hadn't really thought about well, it. We were about to talk position, about it. Right? I they do really about it. It's insane. Um, is it by position, though? It's by position, right? Not completely. No? Okay. Well, it's well, going to be a lot of forwards on there. I don't even remember how they did it, but, like, I feel like there's a a bigger pool of players this year to, like, truly consider, right? Like, especially at the bigs, at the fours and fives, respectively. You're saying that John, one of the three is going to be left off, more than likely. Don Quell, Asia, or Sui is going to be left off the first team. <laughs> and that's just crazy to think about. Possibly. And two, possibly, if you consider that the league does like people that score, because Tina's going to make first team. Because who? Tina. You said she is going to make first team? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, peak performer, she's going to be it. She's going to lead the league in points per game, probably. But so this was like my thing last year, like Enrique, for instance. I didn't think that Blue? she should have been on the NBA first team. I didn't Me think either. So. And you're going to, whatever. I honestly, in my heart of hearts, thought Diana. The argument for me. Diana, on my heart of hearts, should have been on the first team. Mm-hmm. She did have an amazing season last year. Um, Yeah, I was like, like I get it. I, I understand that she's leading the league in points right now and scoring points per game. But, like, I test when we're talking about games on the line. Diana gets that. I'm convinced the voters literally look at stats and then they make the decision from there. Like, I don't even think half of them watch all the well, games. De- well, I think we definitely see that people who cover the WNBA professionally are allowed to know a lot less than they would if they were covering men's sports. Facts. Um, we just got through saying Kali is named wrong for three years. What the fuck? <laughs> you know true. what I mean? Like, um, uh, all the mispronunciation of names, right? Not just her. <laughs> like, yeah. you do not have to even care about women's sports to get a job covering it. It really sucks. Yeah, true. Um, but, and I think that that, like that, that is also demonstrated when you talk about year-end awards. It's, okay, let me look on basketball reference. Who's leading in what categories? It's not yep. who actually played and who actually imp- impacted winning or losing for that matter. Um yeah, I, that's evident to me <laughs> that you don't actually have to watch the games to make a living in this in this field. 
Yeah, those end of the year awards are going to be tough. The first team, second team. Somebody might get thrown on the third team if you think Tina is going to be on the first there team. Was no third team like, last year, so oh, there isn't? Okay. So someone's legit going to get left off of these awards unless they find a way to like shift. shift. It, Maybe it might be still. somebody to five, or they might Which make studio crazy. three. I don't know. It's the player of the year being left off with the top 10 players in the league. That's crazy to think about. That is wild. And, and, and on a top four seed, essentially. like. And then we're all going to look at the guards that are chosen, and we're all going to be like, what? Yikes. Can we talk about who the top four guards in the league have been this year? Because I think it's really – it's really uh, a crowded field. Jewel? Yeah. I, I, Jewel, I would 100% agree with her. Menage in the first half. I, uh, Laney, 100%. Courtney she balled Williams. out the first half of the season. Courtney Williams? Oof, yeah, Courtney been a bucket. But look again, they're in the 11th seat. Like, they're 11s. I, you know, they... I don't so know. Like, how do you how do you pick That's them? It. And would, they're sitting okay. like hear me out, Chelsea Gray. What's there to hear? I, I, I'm with that. Okay. okay Clutch buckets. Came okay. into a new system. Um she's top five. Could place. the same be said about Lasia? <laughs> like She's been balling out for Minnesota. I know she gave uh, Vegas that work when they played Vegas twice. (laughs) So I know I've seen her, but to leave from New York, go to Minnesota, get put on the team, then have to go through that whole circus of not on the team, on the team, not on the team, just so they can save like cap space and all that stuff and to still constantly ball out. I'm sure Sleet leads the league in assists per game right now. She, yeah, she, she does. does lead, yeah. Um, but again, do, like I'm looking I at her and I'm going, no, there's me as a defender. No, yeah, you don't really. Nobody's going like, damn, I got to guard Courtney Vanderson tonight, or <laughs> or guarding me tonight. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Who was the I other pro- name I, you dropped? Uh, Skyler. Okay. Sally's another one, kind of like Tina, where it was like, I tweeted, like, Skyler's playing great, in my opinion, once Diana um, got injured. Like, top yeah. five, top five guard in the league. And then my good sis decided to go to Tokyo and look like she had never played basketball a day in her life. And I know that, you know, Tokyo is not reflective of the league, but. Those performances just made me like. I feel like now I can't even watch her for who she is after how poorly she played in Tokyo. But I would throw Skylar on there. She just she was the leading scorer on their win last night. Um, she's played great for Phoenix. So I mean, I'm I'm with it. But Lord Tokyo bless her heart. Then there's Atkins, but same reason with Tina Charles. They're the same like their <laughs> record, and so it's just but. But Atkins does actually defend well, night in and night out, and is cast with being the second leading scorer on that team. So I could see a like second. It's what like so like? hard to really. Okay, we didn't mention Enrique yet, right? Like who again? Oh, is I don't blame on it. Twenty point per game score, though. I mean, 
if the uh, marina has like has been pretty good um when there is a time so, like up and down though like she'll have a game where she has like 25 and then the next Dallas game she'll have like two that's, yeah. that's yeah. Dallas to me in a nutshell. Like they are just up and down, right? They had a basically a damn near whole new starting five yesterday, um, <laughs> which I actually liked the I group of players put out together. And I wish we could have seen them all playing together earlier this year. Um, which, but like, that's that's what yeah. I don't understand about Dallas. Is it's like. It's one of those situations where this is what the fans have been calling for. This is what most people think seen as needs to be done. And then you give it to us on a game where they, like, that's a bad matchup for Dallas, period. Like, so the lineup you roll out on the floor is not, like, I'm just, I'm weary or leery of of the possibility that we don't see that lineup again solely because they just lost to Connecticut. And it's like, no, give that group some time, and I think we will see that group materialize, which is why I had them making the playoffs, because I do think if they play that lineup, I do think KT should play a little bit more. Um, If they play that lineup, I think that lineup has a chance against most teams. Like, Bella Ellery's not going to drop 10 to 15 a game, but she defends well against bigs. Like, yeah. She's always defended Asia well in the league. I've seen games where she's defended um, Stewie and Silwell. Um, Isabel Harrison does the same thing. Um, but if, like, out, Dallas is one of those teams similar to how we were talking about Chicago Air, they'll be in the game, and then we get, what, a, 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 ten min, a, a, a one-minute stretch, and they either completely take themselves out of the game or they win it. And Which, for a young team, is okay. Chicago, what's your excuse? <laughs> you know, yeah, but, but but I, I feel like Dallas is how, long, how long can we like continue you to call Dallas teams. a young yeah. team though? Like yeah. Arike has been in the league for what three years three. now? Mm-hmm. Three. Alicia's been in there for four. Five. Izzy's been in there for four, five now. Okay, Alicia so Izzy's five. been in there for like what six, seven? Six. Like they don't have any veterans though. Like. They don't have any veterans that have won anything, but I definitely think they have some veterans. So maybe they're missing like that one veteran presence that can. Well, I'm a firm believer that like in the W, like players, they don't even like really start hitting their sweet spot until about year three. Like, that's where I feel like, yeah, like Arike, whoever, take your pick, like just go on through the list for the last handful of years like year three is i think like when they start putting them together up here you know what i mean like and really understanding that what game. you do on a court yeah you know yeah um and like time situations like all of the uh, the mental part of the game right because obviously they're all physically immensely capable players um but it just takes time and i think like yeah year three is about where they start to hit that stride so like Satu's only in year two. I think she's one of, if not the most athletic player in the league. Um, I think she can be moved into that group at some point in her career of where we talk about Jonquil, Stewie, all of them. I think she may find herself in that group at some point. 
I don't know when, but I can, like, with her skill set and you can see the flashes in her game and stuff, she's going to be one of those players that we talk about for sure. Let me be, let me just be the devil on the left side <laughs> of the shoulder for two seconds. One, she's been injured more times in her first two years in the league than any of those players that we've talked about. Second, you cannot have that much mouth as a second-year player and not drop the numbers that even Arike and, you know, Fee and those type of players drop by their second year. Like, like I feel like Satu could fall into a Diamond and Shields conversation where we say the, the ceiling is here and we may even get a flash or a few flashes during the year but the ability to do it consistently and actually be that player for a team i don't know if i trust satu to do it like is the potential there yes that's fair yeah. because i think back to yeah. oregon she like that's that wasn't her team either that exactly. was Sabrina. yeah uh, and it True. was very apparent right like um and so yeah like i don't know that she's just ever had to to be that I did watch a, a lot of her season when she played for Finner Hibachi um, over in the Turkey League in Europe yeah. over the summer or during the off season. Um, and I was impressed. I thought um, that she was doing a lot of impressive things, but we also know how different Euro league is than like the WNBA yeah. for instance. And like, right. Um, if you look at ECAT, Stewie, uh, John Quell, and BG all play together. Uh, Sloot and Quigley, <laughs> they all play together on that team, which is just nuts. But they figure out a way to do it, and they do, and they win the championship all the time. Um, the W is just like a different beast, right? Like, a different um, the physicality is different. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about Chicago, a player that they could probably use right now who got suspended for them, Gabby Williams, who had an incredible Olympics, Olympic run for France. Um, she really struggled last year in the WNBA um, after being really, really good for her national club and for her European club. So it doesn't always translate um and for a long time, I used to wonder, like, why certain players didn't go overseas. And, like, I thought, like, ah, do you really want it like that? Like, if you're not willing to play. And I, I've backed off of that stance a lot um, lately because uh, people just prioritize different things in their lives. And, like, if you yeah. want to play basketball 12 months out of the year, I totally get it. Um, but, yeah, Satu, I'm still going to be, like, Fingers crossed, but if your prediction comes true, I wouldn't be shocked. It would shock me either, right? Yeah. Well, that that took us on a tangent, but I think it would it deserved. Um, we have a few more topics. We're not gonna take too much time because we know y'all don't want to listen to us all day and all night, but um, we're gonna cover them. Um, this one we kind of actually got a little bit into earlier, um, which is just the WNBA GOAT vote is coming up very soon and i just the lord just wants to make y'all aware that if y'all come on twitter or facebook or instagram with some bullshit ass list 
for these GOAT votes, I am on your ass, okay? And let me also say, the league is 80% black and has been majority black for the entirety of the 25 years that it's been here. So if 80% of the people you have listed (laughs) in the GOAT vote are not black, I'm on your ass, okay? That's all I got to say. Y'all, what y'all, whatever y'all got is what y'all got, but just, that's what the Lord, that's what the Lord. I think it goes back to something we kind of already talked about and how the league doesn't like to tell the stories or of everyone. And so they kind of focus on one player, which kind of races the story of so many other people. So I'm a little nervous to see how this turns out because I too will be upset if I look at that list and I see players from Houston sitting at like 20 or something like that. Like I'm going to be upset because those players are, they're great. You don't win four championships in a row without being great players. Um, Just like players like Rebecca Brunson, if she's not somewhere up there high, I'm going to be annoyed because you don't win the games that she win and have the career that she has and, you know, not end up high on the list. But there's also a lot of people that are probably going to be voting that don't understand the history of the league or don't even want to do the research. They just kind of look at some articles, look at some like who's the person most talked about, who do we know about the most, and they'll make their decisions based off of that. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm not really banking on it being a good list, to be honest. Uh, I'm just going to look at it just to look at it, maybe give it a little you know, share or two just so that people are talking about the WNBA, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not what I think it should be. Is it like a, a WNBA sanctioned thing? Like we can vote on their website kind of thing? Or Yes. It's going to be yeah. like okay. you, anybody can vote. So that's why I'm afraid that it's going to be a hot mess. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I hope that they are like have some editorial like oversight on this thing, right? And like it's not Sabrina Inescu. It's the best player in WNBA history or something crazy like that because her fans will vote the most. Um would I love to see the list reflect like 80% or skew 80% black? Sure. Uh, in my heart of hearts, it should anyway, like it just should. When I go back and I think about players who have left their mark on this league, um, it absolutely should. Um, I also want to see like what independent uh, content creators, what they come up with too, right? Because I, I think a lot of that would yes. be discussed over the next couple of weeks um it's just there's like so many players so i know it's going to be hard for people to decide regardless because i'm going through lists in my head and i'm just like "Ooh, what about this player what about this player Ooh, this player oh what about this so i know it's going to be hard for people to decide but i don't want to see personally the only current players that are playing right now that i can imagine being on that list is maybe Sylvia Fowles and Diana Taurasi and Suber, just because they have so much history with the league already. But I definitely do not want to see a Sabrina Unescu on the roster. She hasn't done anything or enough to warrant being on that. Um, I'm a huge Asian Stewie fan. Uh, 
don't expect to see them on there because yes, they've, you know, they've made their mark so far, but I still think they have ways to go in order to be like at the top of the mountain. So I wouldn't expect to see them on it just yet. So what's interesting about that is for Stewie, I believe she already does have two MVPs and the list of players who have two or more MVPs in the league is actually very short. Tina Charles is also on that list. Um, Diana's only won one before, actually. Um, uh, Elena Deladon is on that list with two or more MVPs in the league. So um, I think you'll find more active players than you think. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Candice Candice is going to be on there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd put her on there too. And actually, I think it's going to skew heavily like players that are 6'2 and above. Yes. I think they've probably been the better players throughout (laughs) the years, but yeah. Um, Yeah, outside of Sue and Diana, I can't say that there are any active players that are guards that I can see on that list right now. Guards? Yeah, I got nothing, right? Yeah. I was drawing a massive blank, but I've got nothing. Yeah, I don't I don't have any other ones either that I can well, think we, of. We I wouldn't be surprised to see more them. active forwards and centers, like current yes. active like current centers and forwards that are on the league. I do agree that uh a good bit of them could possibly end up on there, especially with what most of them have been doing. But guards wise, yeah. It's gonna be a lot of blue, it's gonna be a lot of bleed blue on that list. Um, please go away. We're gonna change. <laughs> we are changing. What does Don say? We are changing the narrative. Okay, <laughs> and give us, give us five years, and you will see a whole slew of little birdies slide <laughs> and make an. Impact. Hopefully, there's Not more just, teams by then, man. I hope there's more teams listen, by then. Get in. Get into the fact. That in the last few U U nineteen cycles, um, now this current Olympic cycle, some of the best players are not just from UConn. You got Aaliyah Boston, that was the what she was the um captain for the um America team. You got Nia Vegan that stepped up um and was playing off the bench, but what had eleven plus rebounds in championship, you know, in semifinal game. Um, recently, you got um, you know, there's Caitlin Clark from yep. Iowa. Yep. You know, you just got names from everywhere. Like Diamond Johnson didn't get any type of like picture posted about her, but my good sis was giving everybody the work. Um, Balling, like balling, okay. Deep threes, um, broken ankles, all of it. No, I, I'm happy. I, 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 um. For for all of the criticism that Gino gets from like the women's basketball community, and there's like, uh, I don't know, there's like equal amounts of praise and criticism, but it's a lot of criticism, a lot of praise too. I don't know like where the ratio ends up, but um, he's pushed women's basketball forward. That's just the facts, and yeah. um, everybody knows like the standard at which you have to compete now, right? Like if you want your programs to be, to achieve like any kind of success really, or like sustained 
success, which I think is like what all programs are after. Um, and so, you I know, definitely can agree with that. 100 games in a row or whatever. And people were saying like, oh, this is bad for like that. We were just having that conversation. That wasn't long ago where is UConn actually good for women's basketball? And here we are now. They haven't won a championship for four years. Um, much to my chagrin. If they don't win Minneapolis this year, I know that I know that the curse is real. <laughs> <laughs> well, they aren't gonna win, so that's well, yeah. If they don't win this year, I'm like, oh, the curse is the curse. Like it's I, haven't, real, real. I haven't believed yet, but if they get to play in Paige's hometown and they don't win at all, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, we're 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 cursed. It's time to it's time to make a coaching change because we're just. Never- <laughs> Up off the, you know? um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, and I'm excited for all of the growth that women's basketball has demonstrated over the last handful of years. It's only getting better and better. I full like wholeheartedly believe it is the more entertaining of like the two. If I'm just keeping it a snap, nice. like, no, nah, it's, yeah. it's real. Um, I always tell people if you want to learn, like if you actually want to learn the game, I think you should watch WNBA because there's things that those girls do that you don't see in the other league. Like a lot of them, although people like to say they don't dunk, they don't dunk, but it's like dunking sometimes is all the men do. And when you see them get like only the top tier players, in my opinion, have post moves or have moves in their bag where if someone's trying to defend them, they can do like a drop step back and pull up or they can do like a spin move and pull like a lot of the players in the league, if they get in the paint and someone stops them, they look lost. They're in headlights, don't know what they're doing. You rarely see that in the W. Like a lot of those girls, they have moves in their bag. They have ways to work around. Okay, counter moves like they have moves that I always tell people watch them. It's like a work of art watching NECA in the paint. I love watching NECA play, love watching Asia play. Like Fowles, Griner, Jonquel, Stewie, they all have moves back, like, like real game. Like <laughs> it's game. you can tell they take pride in what they do. So like it's fun to watch i love watching it if you actually love basketball for what it is you'll watch the WNBA. i tweeted during the olympics because lord knows it was like i could not bring myself to watch a full usa men's basketball game like nothing about it was entertaining to me and i finally settled on what like what pulls me away from men's basketball whether it's on the college or professional level but i think in the women's game, the distinction between like the elite and the not elite one, yes, there is a gap, but I think the w- women's players at the professional level and at the college level are just more well more well rounded and able to play with anyone. What do I mean by that? Like, you've got you know these supposed to be what. USA is the best team in the world, and you've got them in the Olympics looking like if they did not have KD, there's not even a shot that they medal. One player, 
on that same team, you've got the same Dame Lillard who we spent months tweeting about. You've got Jason Tatum. You you know, you've got all these yeah. players we look at as stars in the NBA because of their ability to, you know, do a move and get a whistle in the current league, but no actual ability to score if the whistle is not being blown or no ability to actually play with other people when the ball is not being held in their hands. Like, I think women's players do such a good job of not only getting it for themselves, but getting it in the system, getting it for their teammates, and doing it efficiently. Yeah, at like, any point, Don could have chose to run through Asia, Stewie, or BG. And like, at any point. At any point. And, and it was a bucket. <laughs> yeah, it been totally fine. Um, it's just an embarrassment of riches. I definitely believe the WNBA has never been better. Um, talent has never been better, only getting better, right? We just mentioned like a few different women in college who are on their way to the league um, eventually. And we're in good hands. Like it, it now is the time to make the, the leap and get into women's basketball. Drop some coin on the league yeah. now. I'm saying. Yeah, seventeen dollar W a league pass. You can't beat it. Okay, <laughs> drop it. Like, some you can on whatever. Like, go get a season ticket. Like, it's kind of perfect. Like, tax time is right towards the beginning of WNBA season. So go it ahead is. and take some of that clothes money or that car money. Drop it on your nearest WNBA team. Get some season tickets, and 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 really like just watch these women. Do what they do because I promise you, I don't know anyone that we've said, okay, watch the league, and they've been disappointed. Like, the league is just yeah. too good. Like, these games, like, how could you watch the Washington, the, the ending of Washington and Las Vegas, or the ending of Chicago and um, Seattle the other night and, and say anything bad about the league? Like, it's just great, great basketball. Um, we are wrapping up. We have two more things and nothing too major, but if you've been following After the Whistle with Dolores, we have kind of kept track of what's been going on in Syracuse. Our eyes have definitely been tilted up there um, with the red laser. Um, but if you aren't aware, um, Coach Q, um, the Syracuse women's basketball coach, was allowed, and I'm going to use my words, very clearly was allowed um, to resign um, from his coaching position after um, or right before a major article um, was to be released about um, some of the things that he was accused of doing and some of the um, things that his staff and the culture and the climate that it created in Syracuse. Um, and I don't want to give it, you know, crazy amount of attention because we always kind of talk about it. Um, but I do want to say um, that it's a sad day um, in America, in anything related to gender and power dynamics and structures, when a man um, is allowed to resign from his job before receiving the full consequences of his actions as it pertains to the safety um, and well-being of women and young women um, that they have been placed um, with the ability and the opportunity to coach, um, to mishandle, um, to abuse his power, um, 
to be so careless and reckless um, with those young women and then still um, be able to go out um, in a more honorable way by choice, um, I think is, is, is very sad and it speaks to um, some things that we need to continue to change and challenge um, in women's basketball as a whole. Um, if we are going to continue to have men dominating the coaching ranks, um, then we need to do some serious inquiries um, into the practices that they create um, and the environments that they create around um, these athletes. That's my take on it. Um, you know, the floor is open to you guys to kind of say um, um, about Coach Q. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything that you said. Um, but I think let's just not leave it at the men. Um, I think that there should just be inquiries in general just to make sure that all coaches yeah. are handling these children, uh, well, I guess young adults correctly and responsibly because their parents are dropping them off to you and you're now in control of them. And so like when you went on these little college tours and you brought these kids in, I'm sure you told their parents that you would watch over their children, you'd have their back because now their parents aren't trusting them in you. And so, you know, all coaches, females, males, all of them, they need to do right by the kids because you're grooming the next generation and you don't want to ruin their lives or you know, like put a negative impact on them to where they end up doing something later on down the line because of something you did to where it's just a continuing cycle so and it just stinks like it stinks that this is a black man treating black players like i mean by and large black players like this right um the, the black players were the ones that were most vocal about his mistreatment yeah, yeah. clear yeah. um and so to see a man that looks like your uncle, your dad, your yeah. you know, uh, a family member essentially treats you this way, and then also like attempt to gaslight you later when you say like this is what happened, and they're like, no, it didn't. Um, that's just really shitty. And so like, it's I would love to get like you know Jim Beheim is one of the most powerful figures in all of college basketball. Um, they just had a yep. really good run with men's with the men's team over there, right? He's coaching his son. Like, would that have been an okay situation for your son to have been in? You know what I mean? Um, I, I want to see more people in the co coaching community talk about what's shifting in coaching, what has to change in coaching, and like, Ooh. you know, the way that we did things twenty years ago is not the way that things are being done today and not if you want to achieve any kind of success and sustainability in coaching. And I think it's long overdue to start having those conversations publicly about um, the, the kinds of, um, the kinds of coaches and the kinds of personalities and the kinds of environments that they foster that are just not going to be tolerated anymore. Um, obviously you have like athletes who are incredibly willing to speak out now, um, whether, and that could be former athletes, that can be athletes on partial athletes on full rides. Like they don't care anymore. Like if they got their phone, they're on TikTok or whatever other social platform, like you, no one, no one is safe anymore. And I think people need to act accordingly. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I I completely agree with both of you. Um, and I like like we um, was saying, it's the fact that ap- athletes feel empowered now to speak is is such a good place to be in, um, because regardless of what goes on to them, no matter how bad it is, um, having the option and seeing um, that there are people who are speaking out could give somebody in a similar position right now um, the strength and the courage to speak out about something that may be happening to them. Um, so even if the coaches don't change, um, we know that the athletes are are driving um, the change on the, on the most basic level. I mean, look at what Sedona Prince did and so many other athletes did um, with the NCAA tournament this year, um, speaking out about the facilities. Um, social media has opened the door um, to um, athletes to use their voices in a different way. They don't necessarily have to call um, a direct number. Um, they can post it on social media and, and social outrage will do the justice um, for them um, in a lot of these situations. And I'm just glad um, and hopeful that some of these athletes will find closure um, at Syracuse. And I pray um, that this can be a step um, in a more positive direction um, for, you know, relationships between coaches and athletes um, being a little bit less um, of a dictatorship um, and more of a um, a, a, a republic <laughs> type. Well, yeah, of, and, I, and I hope it causes more former athletes to get into coaching too, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, you obviously have Adia down in Tucson doing her thing at U of A, and she's an alum. Um, you know, Don is a former D1 player, uh, even though she's not coaching at the place where she got her degree, but um, she's having tremendous success. So I just hope that that it breeds more opportunity for women to get into coaching. Um, Tina Thompson, obviously doing her thing at UVA now. Um, and just more of that like dynamic between players who have actually been in between the lines and are now on the sidelines and and know what it takes black and like ones too. black ones too more specifically <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so that's that um let's i pray um this is my bid for felicia um at buffalo to get the job at syracuse next year um dolores is rooting for you um but our final topic um, it's something that's very near to my heart because I kind of, I, when this was announced and everything that happened with it, um, just kind of, I don't know, it just made me feel a certain type of way, but um, Don is not returning um, to be the head coach of USA Basketball um, after this most recent Olympic run. Um, and first and foremost, um, Don is like, to me, Don is like the aunt that you love. Um to see at every family function. Um, she's always going to embarrass you some sort of way, whether it's on social media or in public. Um, but she's she's that person to me. Um, and to first and foremost see her get the opportunity to be the head coach of USA Basketball um, as a Black woman was amazing. Um, when she got the job, she had just come off the high of winning an NCAA championship um, with Asia, bring, you know, being the first one to do that um, here. So that was a moment in history. Um, then to see, you know, her eventually go on and win um, the Olympic title with her best player 
being one of the leading scorers and one of the best players on that team, that was also another layer um, to that. And then the part that I think made it a hard thing for me was the NECA situation and how that unfolded um, in terms of what how that blew back onto Don. Um, it's something that left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so, of course, this is speculation, but I have to believe, or even if it wasn't the full reason, I do think the way that USA Basketball handled um, the NECA situation factored into Don not returning. Now, of course, there's a variety of other reasons that could have been a part of it, but I I don't think that it was an easy process to go into the Olympic cycle um, and have a player be left off that you had experienced coaching um, that would have been more of a veteran presence. Um, and then in my opinion, when you look at the USA roster, it was not ideal for a Don style of play. Um, if you follow South Carolina, um, and the way Don coaches, um, it's all about defense and moving with some pace um, and playing through the post. She had playing through the post in spades, um, but on the perimeter, defense was an issue. Um, with the age of some of her players, speed was an issue. She did not go, in my opinion, she did not go into the Olympics with a team conducive to a Don Staley offense. And I think in picking Olympic teams and picking Olympic rosters, I think we should coaches should have a say in not maybe everyone that gets selected, um, but there should be something, you know, some some say for this is how I want to play. Um, and I didn't think that this year's team fit that bill. Um, if you look at some of the USA teams in history, there was always some sort of dynamic guard at the three. Um, who was versatile, um, who was D, uh, you know, a three and D or um, get to the basket and D type of player, um, spark. Um, she didn't have that this year. Um, she had, you know, other advantages, whether it was length on the perimeter. Um, but some of the features of the, what typical Don coach team or even teams that she played on or coached on, USA basketball, it just didn't look like that um, this year. Um, so with all that compounded, to see her step down, um, to see some of the articles that went out about, you know, her battling the pressure of um, the Olympic coaching, um, her battling the mental um, side of it all. Um, I just don't know if I felt like that was, uh, uh, I felt like it, it could have been a better experience. I'm glad that she made the announcement herself, um, but I don't know if that was an enjoy as an enjoyable experience as it could have been. Um, for her last hoorah um, with USA, considering um, she had bled, blood, sweat, and tears um, with that organization. Um, it's been with it from the 96 team, whether as a player, an assistant, or a head coach, is undefeated as a head coach, a part of the majority of the gold medals that have come um, to the USA team. So um, that's my take on the Don situation, but Lord, am I so glad um, that she got the opportunity to do it with Asia um, as a coach. Um, but what do you guys think um, about that, um, Don stepping down? 
I was definitely happy that she got to say it on her own, that she got to speak her own piece and say, I was done, right? She did that at the press conference, at the gold medal press conference when she got up there with Diana and Sue. Um, uh, so I think it's like a couple, few different things. Like, I think it's literally just being tired. I've been on this USA basketball grind for since 1995, probably 1994, right? Well, even longer than that, because I believe I heard her say that she got cut from the 92 team um, right. and she, she was one of the last cuts. So if you look at 92, 1992 to 2021, like that's just giving up every summer, every free bit of free time that you have to dedicate to basketball. And I think, you know, being the head coach at South Carolina already is like a very time consuming job. So I, I can see her easily deciding to say, I've won gold at every level. I've coached every tournament that there is to coach for the national team. And I'm just, I'm tired. I'm done. Um, but then, yeah, in my heart of hearts and like being a black woman who navigates spaces that people don't always want us to see, don't always want to see us in, I can definitely see how um, her being like left out to dry after she was the one that said NECA was left off solely because of the injury, basically. And then some people kind of like recanting that statement or behind her back or like not really giving her the proper like narrative rollout for like why that decision was made and and it all kind of like falling back on her and ultimately she's not even on the selection committee committee that that stinks um so i think it's just like a combination of things um i'm i'm really happy that i got to see a black woman coach usa to gold because like that's not something i thought would happen really um I can even like, like, like even Brock becoming old president in 08, like I didn't think that's something I would see in my lifetime, but it happened. And now seeing a black woman coach many, many other black women to gold is like um, a lasting memory forever. And I know it's gonna inspire like many other black female coaches to to, to aspire to reach that, that height. Um, and I just wish Donna all the best, like she's, been incredibly selfless, um, incredibly knowledgeable. It seems that everybody loves playing for Don, which like you cannot say for everybody. Uh, but again, it's probably a lot of that former player dynamic. Like she just intimately understands what player, what motivates players and what gets them going because she is a former player herself. So I just hope um, whatever she chooses to do next, like is she gets to be on the mountaintop of that too. Yeah, I think y'all pretty much said everything, but um, definitely, definitely proud of everything that Don has given to Team USA and what she's done with Team USA. I've enjoyed watching her um, just blossom from player to assistant coach to coach. Um, and I've like, I've enjoyed it all. Uh, I will say that I was definitely very uh, nervous coming into the uh, Olympics. Um, even just knowing that Team USA, I, like, I never had any doubt that Team USA was going to win gold, but I was still nervous for her. And so I can only imagine like 
how much pressure she felt because even like when I'm watching the games, I was just like, man, if they don't win by 20, someone's going to write an article about how it's Don's fault or how, you know, her coaching isn't pretty or, uh, you know, just things like that. Cause it kind of reminded me of this article. I don't, I wouldn't say a long time ago, but it felt like maybe a couple of years ago where Don talked about how, uh, when people write articles, they use different terminology when it comes to black coaches or black female coaches versus, uh, white coaches. They'll say like, um, a white coach's offense might be a little bit more fluid and like dainty and it looks a little bit prettier. And then when they mention a black female's coach uh, offensive game plan, it's a little more more rough and rugged. And so I was definitely like worried about how the transition would be going from a Gino led team where everyone kind of in the media, at least, because I know uh, Gino gets a lot of hate from uh, social media sometimes, but I know the media kind of gives him his praise and his due, which he does deserve. But I know sometimes a lot of them like to compare his style of play to Don's style of play. And when they compare the two, they don't really give Don an edge of being, I would say, a great coach. A lot of people don't even put her in that conversation of being a great coaching mind, which still blows my mind because she's gone head to head with some of the people that they do put as a great coaching mind. And she's won those games. Even when you go back to her playing versus Tara uh, four years ago when Asia and them won, uh, headed into that national championship game. And so she's beaten Tara before, but a lot of people won't acknowledge that. And you can, and a lot of people consider Tara to be one of the greats, which she is. But I think at some point we have to put Dawn in that conversation as well as one of the greats because she is, especially when you think about what she did at Temple, being a WNBA player and a coach all at the same time, took Temple to win their conference championships. And then she came to South Carolina and she turned the program around in one of the toughest conferences in women's basketball. And so uh, that was kind of like a tangent, but I am super proud of everything that Donna has done for USA. And I too can't wait to see what she does uh, for the rest of her career. And hopefully it's getting some more national championships brought to South Carolina. Immaculate drip, right? Like who, yes. whatever folks you know is wearing Travis Scott lows on the sideline. Like no one, um, no and one. And she like, she literally, I, I know you mentioned the love that her players have uh, playing for her. And you also mentioned the drip. And I think a couple of games, uh, one of her players has like their own clothing line and she'll even wear some of her clothes on the sideline during her games. So like, that player coach, it, it just works. Yeah. But always the drippiest. I don't know anyone who has the style that Don has. I mean, uh, y'all are, y'all are the ones. I love y'all for real. Cause last whole episode, um, I think one of the things that really stuck with me, um, just in watching the Olympics was not only, you know, the love from the fans, the love from players, but the tweet that, you know, Lisa sent to Don, um, Cheryl, like the 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 founding the founding women of the W, like that love to me spoke to the umpteenth power 
everything and kind of confirmed everything that we I feel like we think about Don as fans. Um, but it it added that extra like period, um, the extra exclamation point to her because it was to me it was that way of saying we know it's tough, we know you're the first to do it, we know it's a sacrifice, we got your back. Um, and that camaraderie between black women in the league and in the history of the basketball sports um, is so important. Um, because even for it to be a sport where black women dominate, the pressure that Dom felt to be the first black coach, what does that say about where we are? Um, the, the way that they still have to support each other as if they are a minority in a sport that these women put themselves on the line to carry, like that is insane when you think about that flip, that mental switch. It's like, no, we 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 did this. We were the like we are the 96 team. And now I am the 2021, 2020 coach of an Olympic championship. And yet there is still this much baggage that I feel. But to see them, you know, support her unapologetically, um, and even on a more minor level, um, to see the letter that Lisa wrote Asia and, you know, all those little small things that ended up, you know, resulting in what we saw materialize into that goal that went against Japan. Lord, it was just like beautiful um, to see. And this is like, to say that this in the episode, but also like it's August, which means that the women's college basketball season is like whew, right around the corner. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like, so excited to see where the game goes, to see what comes of these rivalries that are allowed to happen, um, to see what how the WNBA season finishes. I'm excited um, to see. Um, I have to thank y'all so much for staying up so late with me um, and doing this episode. Um, these are my girls, period. Um, we don't always agree. Oh, you said WNBA games is. on a Monday night? I'm so sick of this. Listen! I'm Listen. saying, especially when we get, like, I think everybody plays again tomorrow, or maybe, like, two teams don't play tomorrow, it's, and all the games start, all like, at four or one. six. It, it's five games. So, eight out of the, how many teams is it? Oh, I'm six, five out of, uh, ten out of the 12 teams play tomorrow. WNBA gonna have me cross-eyed trying to look at all these games at the same time. And then when Chicago went into overtime, I was so mad because I was just like, game, like that I'm supposed to be watching. Right. Exactly. There was like three, four, three or four games on at the same time yesterday and my eyes were like crisscross. Like it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. But you know, it's the league. You gotta look. what's the um the popular um video I'm sick beside them? That's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm going to stick um, Y'all, please follow my homies. Um, follow the After the Whistle page. It is at Aiden Alpha, T as in Tango, W as in William, lowercase W as in William, Dolores, After the Whistle with Dolores. Also, my personal page where I get reckless. So if you don't like reckless, don't follow. At Get This Dance, G E T D I S D A N C E. Also, Black Bridges, because we would not be doing this without the woman behind it all 
and that is my dentist, Larry, Larry Swinton, um, who has been behind the Black Bridges. And we not only give you WNBA and women's basketball content, but Black Bridges gives you content for Black people about all things Black. So if you want to know and want to see more, hit up the Black Bridges plate, follow the Black Bridges page and get that tea. And then my dentist is going to give you their handle, and we're going to call it a night, all right? Um, am I? Oh, yeah. uh, I can be followed at at Yanabu one five Y A N A B zero zero one five. And I'm just at my name Greer G R E E R and Gunga E N G O N G A. Lots of basketball takes amongst other things, and uh, I really enjoy doing this. I obviously love speaking to people who know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> Goes a long way. You see, we could be here all night doing this. So um, and could. Yeah, I look forward to doing this again and watching the rest of this regular season play out. All right. Well, we're going to watch it together, talk about it sometimes, and tweet about it all.